And we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, sometimes USC, but it really kind of gets replaced with college here and there. So this week, we give you the best of the NBA and the big major changes that are coming. Patriots, 49ers, who do you have? Who's the best? Giannis, his 50-point game, along with the future of the NBA. You cannot leave out Lamar Jackson's MVP race and the things he performed on Monday night, along with the Cowboys and a little bit of news coming from the Carolina Panthers. But before we start, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex, and Mohammed, say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners, and thank you for listening. And also subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Twitter and Instagram. Oh, yeah. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Happy Thanksgiving. This is the week of Thanksgiving, uh, depending on when you listen to it. But we're within the week of Thanksgiving, which you should be very thankful for all of the different storylines we have for this week. It's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, first, we're going to start off with the NBA and the major changes that may be performed very soon as of the 2020-2021 season, which will be this following season after the current NBA season. But some of those major changes that the GMs and the commissioner of the NBA have been discussing and will be putting to a vote soon is subjects like 60-game season, dropping from an 82-game season, which has been that way for a very long time, uh, reseeding the playoff brackets, and that would make it to where the top teams that are in within a same division could meet in the championship versus having to go through each other to make it to a championship in the NBA, a mid-season tournament along with a play-in game for the playoffs. So, uh, after reviewing some of those changes that they may be taking a vote to very soon here, uh, what benefits and issues can you see happening due to the type of major changes they're looking at performing? Really, I think as a whole, all of those changes will make for a better competition, especially when it comes to the playoffs, because it will truly be the top two teams when it comes to the finals. Because usually the better teams are in the West. The West has always been stacked. Uh, the East has mainly always had weaker teams, and it just continues today. And if you have the whole reseeding thing, like I, I think they might do, where they would combine conferences, is that one of them? Yeah, yeah, reseeding. So uh, pretty much just the best teams would make it uh, versus, let's say, the best, the actual best teams in the league being all in the West sometimes, and then meeting. Uh, in the Western Conference Finals, they can actually meet in the championship. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. So it really makes for a better product for the NBA as, as a whole because you get to see the the truly two best teams in the finals instead of earlier on like you get in the West most times. Because I mean, most of the East teams, I, I would say after probably five, the fifth seed is probably not that good of any teams they i mean they they're probably kind of good but nothing like the west teams i mean there's a few times where there have been teams in the west that have missed the playoffs that would have made it in the east and with the new 
playoff reseeding that they are thinking about that could fix a lot of those problems. But I don't know how well it'll go over with doing less games. I mean, 60, that's a huge difference in what they have had um, for a long time. And I can see the owners being against that because it's less money for them because it's less games. Yeah, I, I definitely hear your side of uh, this one. Um, so I'm guessing that's the issues you're saying that may come from this. Um, I, we're, we're pretty similar on the benefits and uh, the issues here, but I'll, I'm going to kind of go through each one. Now, the 60-game season, I can see a, a great benefit to this. Uh, one major subject, load management. Mr. Kawhi's uh, main problem. He's still going to take off games. Yeah, yeah, he'll probably play 40 games. You know how uh, his chronic injury goes. But um, not that I have him throwing shots <laughs> at Kawhi. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is a big benefit. I, I think it's a benefit towards wanting, being able to rest and taking away this load management type of deal with these players. Because I know Kawhi might not be the one trying to lead the – uh, campaign on players taking this low management route, but he is the uh, he's the main spokesman. Even though he doesn't really talk uh, in in this, he is the main person you think about when it comes to low management. Now, sixty games is going to shorten that. It's going to give you a whole lot more bang for your buck. I, I do still see it as a benefit because uh, even with the GMs, because only if they they incorporate this playing in games. But play into the playoffs, like how there is for the wild card in the NFL. Um, so I see it as more time that fans will actually take the game serious. They'll actually feel they need to turn in versus only waking up the next day to see the outcome of what happened in the game. I, I actually still really want them to bump up the games uh, from these late, late games on the West Coast to push it up to the East Coast so they can actually watch because I rarely actually get to watch LeBron play uh, due to normal life. It's just what happens with wrong people. They're not able to stay up till uh, 12 and 1 a.m. to watch a basketball game. So I see great benefits there, but the issues, I think the issues are going to come when it comes to stats, when it comes to the overall career type stats. How are we valuing this now? How are we um lining up okay you played a full season out or you went undefeated in a season like you no one can touch the 72 uh win streak ever if this changes to a 60 game season but it does make it a whole lot more interesting in the long run like throughout a full season yeah it, it makes every game count more it's it'll be similar to the nfl because they only have 16 games Every single game counts, and if you lose a game early on, that could count against you later on. Um, but I have a question about the the tournament. Like, how does that work? You said the it's, it's like the NFL where they have a play-in. I'm, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I honestly don't fully understand it just yet, and I think they're still trying to work out the kinks on that. I think they're really trying to make most of the season, if not half the season, mean something to fans. I think they're really about people tuning in and getting the product out there. So they're they're coming up with many different ideas, uh, seeing what sticks to the wall. I'm not think I don't think that's something that will stick because it's kind of the same thing as a play-in game. Uh, actually, I think the way they're 
the smartest way to line that up is to uh, make it. Dang it, I'm trying to think of exactly how the schedule go, but um, pretty much if you actually do well during the regular season and the first part, and let's say you have a lag off uh, back season, part of the season, you can actually have tournaments like the uh, what's the, what happens with the NCAA in March? March Madness. Oh, wow. How, how, yeah, yeah, March Madness. Yeah, so it, it'll be like Mar- March Madness, but I just think it's messy in general. But they want it to where these lower teams, teams who don't have as much to uh, root for or their seasons in the trash, uh, I would say like the Hornets, uh, they can have some type of small win. It's just a small win. And if you incorporate the two together, like a midseason tournament with a play-in, and you just don't do the play-in right before the playoffs, let's say that guarantees you a play a wild-card spot. And they're probably not going to call it the same way, but I'm just guessing that's some way they can kind of fit it all together. It, it's not all sketched out just yet. That's one reason why they're taking votes on all of this stuff. But one big benefit I do think from this will happen is – it will create longevity for their stars completely, not just the low management, but their biggest product like LeBron. He can have a longer uh, career. Now players can stretch into 42, 43. Uh, but, you know, LeBron's an anomaly anyway. Yeah, yeah. He, he's been playing at a high level ever since he's been in the league. And we'll still have to wait and see how long that carries on but we do have some players that did play until like 40 something i mean just look at vince carter he's still out here dunking but i, I see most of it as good change i'm not really sure about the end season tournament it seems kind of messy i don't know if it's because it hasn't been fully explained yet but I, I don't know about that yet um but i do like the lesser amount of games because i don't even pay attention to most of the season because there's so many games, you can't pay attention to 82 games for 30 teams. It's just too much. Um, but I, I like less games so they count more. I, I completely agree. Um, so we move on to a big performance that has happened this past within the past week with Giannis Atonokokupo. Uh, hopefully I got that uh, correctly on his last name. Another one <laughs> but, to try. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had a 50-point game which is quite outstanding for a a player of his size. Uh, Now, he did win the MVP of last year. Arguably, some people felt that that should have been Harden's, but we do need to kind of make recognition on his achievements of a 50-point game. Uh, So I ask, simple as this, um, with the Bucks' success and Giannis' success being aligned, uh, are you more impressed by Giannis' 50-point game or the Bucks' eight-game win streak? Um, at, at this point, so many different players are just putting up a whole bunch of points. Um, and the way the NBA is now, it it caters to players making more shots more frequently. It's at a faster pace and people are able to score more. There's more possessions. So I, I would say that the win streak is is better because there's there's so many games in the NBA and there's back-to-backs and people can catch you off guard. And just to have a win streak like that, that takes a lot of effort and consistency and just chemistry with your team. So I, I feel like that's more impressive than the 50, well, was it 50, 40 point game. But 
I'm not going to take that lightly. He's definitely doing great in his position. His team is playing at a high level, and they're going to go deep in the playoffs um, and hopefully to the finals. Um, I, I would like to see him on that stage uh, with, with all that, all the lights and whatever, see if he can stand up to it. But I would say the eight-game streak, eight-game winning streak is probably the better out of this. Uh, I, I want to lean towards that because there's no defense being played in the league right now. Um, but I'm impressed by the 50-point game. I, I'm, I'm impressed by that 5-0. Uh, I just have to, to say, I'm, a, I'm quite impressed by his uh, progress. He's out here hitting uh, threes. He was three for eight, but he did hit three threes. So it makes you uh, make a defender either decide to stay back and he's just going to dunk on you. Uh, he's going to Euro straight down the lane and still dunk on you. Dunk on maybe three people or you sit back once. And if you just sit back and say, wait for him to come into the lane. Now he's hitting threes. It becomes very, very dangerous. And when you can put it all together and you're producing half the points that are being distributed uh, throughout a full game, uh, then that, I have to take notice. Uh, the Bucks is just too early in the season. I can't get too high or too low on an eight-game winning streak. It doesn't show much, which is one of the NBA's problem, and I guess that's one reason why they're changing this uh, or looking to change how many games are played in the season. So, uh, yeah, I'm impressed, more impressed by that 50-point game than their eight-game win streak. It's not like it's going to make headlines. <laughs> Wait, it It'll make headlines if they really get on a, a, a long streak. Because you remember that Miami Heat win streak that they went on with LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and all of them. That made headlines because they were coming close to breaking a record, which I think was like 33, but they, they didn't get that far. So if they can get on a, a big win streak, I, I think it'll turn some heads. Yeah, I, I agree, but... They're pretty early in that 30, 33 game, so I'm still not as impressed. I'm definitely a whole lot more impressed in that 50 game. But uh, with there being such great talent out here, because uh, if you play, paid attention at least maybe a little bit, even just through ESPN, you'll see the future of the NBA is quite bright. Um, there's a list of players that you can kind of attach on to to be your favorite or at least want to tune in to watch. So uh, with the future of the NBA being led by mostly foreign-born players, uh, as has been seen, actually, I'm going to ask this again. So will the future of the NBA be led by foreign-born players, or does the American-born players still have a chance? Um, I'm going to say they still have a chance. We still have to wait and see where that star comes from. A lot of these foreign-born players, they're still pretty young and um, just getting into their superstardom. But there could be that next LeBron that comes out of nowhere. Because I would say even though these foreign-born players are making headlines and looking like they're some of the best players in the league, I would still say they're nothing like the LeBron of the league, like that next chosen one, the one that somebody – well, the – the media is centered totally around. I think a lot of people want to make that into Giannis, but it's just not there yet. Maybe because LeBron is still in the league, but I just feel like it's still not there. Um, 
And I, I'm, I feel like we still have to wait for that next best player that everything is centered around. Well, I, I really am behind the, like, I've just taken a view of what the NBA is now, not who may be coming into the league uh, soon here. I really do think the future of the NBA is on the shoulders of foreign-born players. Just to name a few, because Luka has been absolutely going off lately. Triple-doubles, 40-point triple-doubles, balling in every which type of way. He already has eight triple-doubles for this season. Um, And I'll I'll go down a couple couple of players, major, major, major players. Uh, You have Luka, Giannis, Ben Simmons, because he was not He's not an American-born player. Pascal Siakam? I can't remember. Say his Pascal Siakam. Pascal. There we go. Sorry. Pascal Siakam. Uh, Joel Embiid. It actually is a very short list when it comes to superstars or potential superstar players that are American-born. I really only look at the Celtics players like Kimba, uh, Tatum, and Brown. Honestly, other than that, I'm not seeing great, great, great players out of the the players that are showing you great performances right now. Well, uh, Kimba at this age, he's he's too old to be that next one. But um, is he like 29? Yeah, that's too old. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I don't think he's gonna last that much longer. Probably to the end of his contract as a serviceable player. <laughs> so, uh, so do you have it? Since you did side with American-born players, can you name me at least three? Like, and I'm not talking about anybody above the age of 29. Since we're set, setting that mark, can you name me four players? I, I, I say three. I'll, I'll reduce it. Three players that just completely stand out and are performing each year. Sorry, each uh, week. I would say Kyrie whenever he's healthy, uh, whenever he can stay on the court. Is he Kyrie twenty nine? No, he's, he's like twenty seven. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I'll give you that one. But you know, he, Anthony uh, Davis, that's another one. I mean, come on. Um, and at Donovan Mitchell, he started out pretty well, but I'm I'm not sure if he's really falling off a little bit. But he's he's still pretty good. Uh, he he could still be that next star in the NBA. So there's three right there for you. Well, I, I think your list is a little outdated. Now, I can really, really give you one of them. I can give oh, you Anthony hey. Davis. You know, yeah, because Kyrie, right now, it, it's he's turning out to be seen as a cancer. Yeah, there we go. Look, literally on cue. <laughs> <laughs> literally on cue. NBA wanting to give all their attention to Kyrie as a up-and-coming player because he's not an up-and-coming player. He's a now player who's possibly on the tail end of his, even though the talent's there, uh, when it comes to superstardom and being able to control the light of superstardom, uh, I, I take I take Kyrie out of that race now. He used to be there, but he just got taken out with uh, reports of mood swings and at the Nets, and he just got there. They already had issues with him when he was in China over the summer. So I, I have to take him out of there. I'll give you Anthony Davis. And what was your third person again? What, it was Donovan Mitchell, right? Yeah. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell does not make that list. So like, he's barely a star. Barely. Like, I, I can't, I can't, <laughs> like, he is barely in that list. And if I had to list out people and bump people out, I'm going to bump him out. 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I was just saying that he's just on that edge. He started out pretty well, but I'm not sure if he's still keeping up with that. Yeah, so I, I'll actually give you another try here. Like, get, fill, fill me in with two more people, because I just want to make the point, like, it really looks like foreign-born players are really taking over this league. So give me two. You got two two people who are under the age of 29 who is a standout star. Well, I mean, I agree that the foreign-born players are taking over the league, but I don't think they are that next chosen one. That's that's the point I was making. Um, okay. That is good. But what I'm saying is there are a few American players that are stars right now. And, I, I mean, I don't have any more than that. I can't really think of anybody else. <laughs> and that's the problem. That's the, that, that is actually the problem because if you cannot – bring to memory, like, automatic memory, memory of someone who is a standout star, American-born in an American-played uh, sport, it's a problem because that was not the uh, way just five years ago, just 10 years ago. That, that wasn't even a discussion 10 years ago, much less 15 years ago. So with Lucas' performance, with Giannis' performance, with Ben Simmons coming up and being doing very well, Pascal Siakam, those are the, actually the biggest standout stars that everybody's actually attracted to and who are producing the points. Um, but I, I'll move on to the next question because it still wraps this in. Who has the best chance of replacing LeBron as that great greatest of their era? Greatest of their era? Um, yeah, adding in the you, foreign you, players and American. Okay, well, you probably won't agree with this. I, I, I can only hope just because so he can stay healthy is Zion Williamson because what he was coming into just college, the amount of coverage that he got, the amount of just attention and all that stuff, even just coming out of high school, I would say that he would be that next chosen one because he just got so much attention. Everybody's just looking just to see what he's going to do next. That's the type of attention that I feel like that next chosen one needs to be just like LeBron was. And I, I feel like he has the potential to do that only if he can stay healthy, but he's going to have to lose some weight and, you know, uh, sharpen up his game. You know, I mean, LeBron didn't come in as just a sniper or anything. So I think he can improve and be that best player in the league if he can stay healthy. But So I already have a lot to dissect. Like, you, you've already diverted me off the question. I haven't even answered the question yet. Now, I, I love the fact that you brought up Zion Williamson. Could you imagine LeBron coming into the league and not playing a game and ESPN being quite silent about when he's going to return, how he's going to return, uh, his potential? Like, because Zion's pretty much fell off the radar since – it was known that he's not going to be starting off in the season. And he has not played a single game in the NBA. So I cannot, I absolutely cannot give him the best chance for placing LeBron as the greatest of an era. He's great for dunks. He he may have a, develop a, a very, very good mid, mid-range. But even to dissect, you said that LeBron didn't come in as a sniper. I will never see uh, Zion Williamson as a sniper. Not ever. Like, if he becomes that, he would amaze me. Uh, so, so <laughs> I, I, that's I, why I you gotta wait. You just gotta wait. No, no, I understand because I, I definitely agree with the attention he's got, uh, the hype and everything. Yes, yes. Under that, yes. 
But we're not just talking about attention. We're talking about performance. And I'm also we're also talking about a greater greatest of their era. I don't I really don't see Zion Williamson as being a greatest of an era. Like because it's like just to kind of go backwards. It's kind of known that LeBron is the greatest of the 2010s. It's kind of known that Kobe is the greatest of the uh, 2000s, even though you have other very, very great players like Tim Duncan and, and yeah, just many other players. Overall, Kobe's there, and then uh, of the 90s, that's going to be Jordan. Just going back those three decades. Now, for the 2020s to the, the 2020s, for the 2020s, I really don't see it being Zion Williamson. I actually see it either being, from what I can see right now, just from what I can see, and also the performance I'm, I've been seeing at least over a span of two years, Luca or Giannis. That's where I'm at. It's going to be Luca or Giannis. Giannis is putting up unreal numbers, unreal numbers, and he's getting better. Along with Luca, Luca has already been an MVP of a whole of the Canadian League. He he's been a professional basketball player since he was 12 years old, and he's not new to this game. He he has the size of LeBron. He has the uh, the the vision of the court like LeBron, and he also has uh, he has a lot of knowledge. I'm not saying he is LeBron, but those two have the best chances of being a greatest of the era because Luka has shown to be unstoppable along with Giannis. I don't think Zion's unstoppable. I think if you have the right setup of people, he's going to get stopped. He's going to dunk on you, but he, he's not scoring 35 points and making sure you make it to the next round. Well, I mean, you you can't really say that because you haven't seen much of him. And for the little amount that we saw, he was really great in that. So I don't think you can just downplay like he's just going to be a mediocre but, player. No, but we're but we're sizing this up on a man against boys in college, and also okay, we're saying preseason. But once again, that's preseason. It doesn't even if he was doing this in the regular season, you still can't count it fully because. <laughs> You know, because no other player gets credit for just doing it in the regular season. And That's it true. Just, and so he but what has Luca done in the, in the postseason? Well, I think this, no, no, no. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm I'm just going off of his advancement and and the skills he's displaying. He is just, just developing skills that a uh, a year five player gets to. He is displaying knowledge and uh, ability that is transcendent. I'm talking about a transcendent player. Like, uh, William, Zion Williamson's a transcendent player when it comes to uh, attention and being able to get great dunks. And But I think that's limited. I think it's short-lived. And I also don't know what I'm going to get after this man has been sitting for two months and still has more time to be sitting before he even plays one NBA game. I can't give him anywhere near that till he actually gets on an NBA court. Well, I'm going to give you an example. Okay, I'm going to give you an example of somebody who started out with a lot of injuries. They were a big man, and now they're on. No, Joel Embiid. He was one. He he was drafted in, I think, 2014. It took him three years just to just start playing. And look at him now. He he is one of the top players in the league. So do you see him as the greatest of an heir? Zion Williamson, or no, Joe I'm talking Embiid. about Embiid because that that three years, all of that, that it, it 
with the question being so high, like so high valued, it's not saying he'll be a great star. It's not saying he won't have a great career. It's not saying he'll be a standout player because I actually think Tim Duncan should be in the race for the best player of the 2000s. But just due to Kobe's longevity, like the the dissecting of his game, his his willpower, like everything put together, because they match up on rings, they match up on a lot of different things, Kobe and uh and Tim Duncan. But it's because of the error, like that that being a great error is just another notch. And we shouldn't be bringing up Joel Embiid in that conversation. Much less, I still don't think we should be bringing Zion in that conversation either. He has well, all I'm just saying that. is potential, and that's all we're basing it on. Yeah, 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 it's you're right. For all you're these right. players the, is on potential. Well, None I'm of them have the best solidified chance. anything. Well, it's, it's saying who has the best chance, though. Like, yeah, it's on potential. And yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying that he might have the potential. He already has all the attention on him. And like just like LeBron did whenever he was coming into the league, he had all that attention, all the brands after him, all that stuff. The only difference is Zion Williamson hasn't started. He's been injured. I'm just saying if he can stay healthy. Okay. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I definitely hear you. Like, I I really do. Like, you might not think that I hear you on this one. Like, <laughs> we're working off of potential. But I just don't put people in certain considerations into their do. A couple of things. I'm going to need a minimum, at least one 40-point game to consider you. I need you to play in an NBA game to consider you against starters. And, like, I need at least those two things at a minimum. I need at least one 40-point game, and I need you to play against starters in the NBA. So that's the only reason why I'm fully discounting him for now. I'm not saying that he doesn't have great potential. But that's just a high, high level to reach to be a greatest of an error. And I just don't see that being his wheelhouse or his 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 thing to actually be like, I, I, I don't even think his his career is going to last more than 10 years. And I know that might be disrespect right now, but I don't think it lasts more than 10 years. So do you think any of the players that you're naming have the potential to be more than just greatest of an error? to challenge LeBron as one of the best players in the league or Michael Jordan? Possibly, yes. And you have to be in that consideration of possibly taking over somebody to be in that conversation because Kobe is only in that conversation because he possibly could be uh, considered over uh, – well, really, we know we always discounted him against Jordan because he stole Jordan moves, but uh, he's at least in the conversation along with LeBron. He's at least in the conversation constantly. I just don't see Zion being in that conversation. And just from what Luca, his advancements of his abilities, along with Giannis advancement of abilities, I say, yes, uh, they, they have a possibility. Yes. They have a large possibility of that happening, of being like possibly taking over LeBron due to the, the game changes and nobody playing defense. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I, I, I definitely factor. see your point. So, uh, that, so yeah, I, I know I'm a I'm a big LeBron fan, but I actually do see I'm a slightly I'm like those Jordan uh, fans who no matter what happens, no matter what they see, they always consider LeBron. Uh, sorry, Jordan the greatest. No matter what happens, they're I, highly I, I, blind. I, yeah, yeah, I know, and I and I'll say I, I'm 
I'm I'm about there. I'm like eighty per eighty five percent on LeBron. On you're that, there. On that. You're there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was saying I'm not. I'm not gonna. No, lie. you're you're all the way there. You're well, a thousand be, percent there. I can't be all the way there if I actually consider anybody else to possibly be able to take over him. You're no, trying to be I'm, objective, but you're there. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so uh, moving on to football and greatest of all time, possibly uh, considering with this player, uh, we're covering. Lamar Jackson and the great performance he put on Monday night versus the Rams, the L.A. Rams at the Rams. Well, they demolished the Rams, who were just in the Super Bowl last year, 45 to six, where the Rams really needed this to possibly make it to the playoffs. And they're pretty much out of the race with San Fran also being in their division, being at 10 and one and the Seahawks now at nine and two. Um, both leading the division. So it's pretty much pushes the Rams out of this race. And this is a, a really a game they needed where they got demolished by Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Now, Lamar Jackson has definitely been in a conversation for MVP in the NFL. And even at the Rams stadium in LA, there were chance of MVP for Lamar Jackson, the opponent who has come to their uh, field. Now he had a standout day with, five passing touchdowns and added on 95 rushing yards. So I really have to ask, because I know this comparison is going to probably exist for a good while. Who, whose ability do you fear more Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes? Um, uh, right now, their ability, um, who do you fear more? Whose ability the, do you feel more fear? more? Their ability. Wow. Um, when it comes to longevity, uh, I know the ability, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> but you say an ability, um, just on the, the threat of his legs right now, it would be Lamar Jackson because he just makes you have to look out for so much more because of just the way he can just dart down the field and how elusive he is once he gets loose. It's just hard to tackle him, and he he just gets out whenever he needs to. He he doesn't take many big hits. Um, he's definitely becoming more of an accurate passer than he was last year. I mean, like almost totally different. Um, and he always contributes to the run game. Um, that's what's so lethal about him, along with uh, just everybody surrounding him. Um, but who am I going to take? I mean, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson because. <laughs> well, the, but who do you fear is that ability? I know you got to got to keep it within the question because I know that was going to change the tide. It's not about who quarterback you're going to pick. What ability are you? Who do you fear more? And this is a hard question. I know that's why I proposed it this way. Whose ability do you fear more? Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I do fear his ability. But I'm still going to take Patrick Mahomes because he's a more accurate <laughs> passer and he can run not just like Lamar Jackson, but he can run to get you out of trouble whenever he needs to. He can move around the pocket and make accurate passes off balance, um, similar to what Aaron Rodgers has been or was. Um, but Lamar Jackson, you can't deny that he is very dangerous and if you take your eyes off of him, he's going to 
take it to the house for a touchdown. So um, it's, it's a very hard question, but I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes in this one because he's a more accurate passer, and he also has some legs on him. So I would say Patrick Mahomes. Okay. So to answer it really simply, this is Lamar Jackson has down to me. I, I know what a year uh, difference it makes and everything, but – uh, it really has to be Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's ridiculously fast, and you can keep your eyes on him. If you don't take your eyes off him, he's going to hurt you even more. But all 11 players have their eyes on him, and they can't stop him. He runs past players. He's stiff on players. He intentionally uh, spins on three players to hit each other, and this will be all in one play. Like, it's easy. So I completely fear his ability a whole lot more. That's something you just can't. You can't teach. You can't. It's, it's a once in a lifetime type of uh, ability uh, coming from a player. So I easily I would say it's Patrick Mahomes. Sorry, not Patrick Mahomes, but Lamar That's Jackson. What you want to say? No, I want to because I was actually trying to. I was getting ahead of myself because even though Patrick Mahomes is such an amazing talent and may go down as the greatest quarterback ever. ever even I'm not gonna say I, that, but. Yeah, continue. He may. That's why it's just potential. Just potential. Uh, he may go down as the best quarterback ever due to decision making and everything like that. Uh, but I'm going to say it's Lamar Jackson. So why does everyone discredit Lamar's passing ability with him having five touchdowns in a game? Why? Um, I, I think it's because they compared to last year because. He was pretty much awful last year when it came to passing. And he, he pretty much got exposed in that playoff game against the Chargers where they completely dismantled him. He couldn't do a thing for most of that game. But um, he's definitely gotten a lot better as a passer, um, along with the help of just the way they've constructed everything around him. They've really heightened his abilities to where he's being used in the best way possible. I mean, the run game, not just him with Mark Ingram and the offensive line. I mean, if you just, if you were just really just watching that game that they were going against the Rams, they were getting chunk plays with just the running game. And you just can't get them off the field because they just keep pounding the ball, getting first downs, converting and scoring on almost every single drive. So it's, it's very hard to get this team. Um well to, well, to really beat this team. And when it comes to the Browns, how they beat them, how, well, how they beat the Ravens. Lost. Yeah, they lost to the Browns. Wait, yeah, they lost to the Browns at the Ravens' home. Um, it really came down to the the Browns really limiting their run ability and making the Ravens come from behind, which they really haven't been down in – I don't think much of any games besides the games that they lost. So that's where they run into a problem because you can't really run the ball that much when you're down by a lot. So um, I would just say that, yeah, Lamar Jackson, his, passing um, ability. yeah, his, his passing ability is, is definitely gotten a lot better. Um, as far as people doubting him, I mean, they're going to keep doubting him, but, it's just getting better every single game. And that Rams game, I just can't deny it anymore. He is in the lead for MVP right now. He he just overtook Russell Wilson. 
Yeah. Well, so I'll repeat the question. Why do people devalue Lamar Jackson's ability? I think it's ridiculous that people undervalue his passing ability. He had five passing touchdowns. His passes are extremely accurate. He throws his uh, players, his his receivers open. When they're not open, he finds a way to uh, make them open. It has a, a Patrick Mahomes type of feel. Uh, but he went into the half six for six in completions. I know that's not many passes, but they're just a well-rounded team. They're fit towards him. Why do things just because you want to show off to someone else? He's proven it two years in college, and he's proven it this year that you really should not devalue his passing ability. He's We really act as though he's Tim Tebow or that he's <laughs> – no, we really do. We really people like it, it is ridiculous when I hear it on Monday night and they put up stats of five for five. You got three touchdowns passing, not rushing, passing. And oh, he's done better in his passing. Oh, he's getting better. Like how much better can you get from perfect? And I'm not saying he's perfect at passing. But at that point, how are you making it is we're looking like he's Tim Tebow out here throwing ducks. Well, what they're saying is compared to last year, because he was borderline, what, what's his name, Jalen Hurts last year when it came to playing in the NFL. He wasn't the most accurate passer. Um, I mean, he even said that it was hard for him to throw last year. So it's just been a huge step from this year, I mean, from, from last year to this year. And who doesn't have a learning curve? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's only started. I, I think I'm pretty sure it's max 17 games in total, and in, in his in the league. That is, if he started from beginning of a season to the end of the season, that's only one game over. That's like going through a season in one playoff game. And and we're counting this as though he's not supposed to learn the playbook. He's not supposed to learn tricks to the trade. He's not like I, I just don't. I don't get it when I'm listening to our broadcast and there's acting as though he's throwing ducks. I, I really just don't get it. This guy is very amazing. He's shown it in the uh, in college as being a Heisman winner and a Heisman runner up the following year where they said he couldn't even repeat what he did the following year. So people take notice. You keep doubting him. I love it. I absolutely love it. But you really should not discount his passing ability, uh, the masses. But yeah, um, you, you definitely shouldn't discount his passing ability because he'll he'll get you whenever you think you you finally figured him out. Um, but I would say if you can limit their run game when it comes to not not Lamar Jackson, but let's say Mark Ingram or whatever, that does lessen their ability because that that run game has totally changed everything for them including Lamar Jackson like he he can definitely contribute to it but if you limit that running game that that'll definitely um expose I think a little bit because I'm not sure if he's that drop back passer where he's gonna pass like 40 40 something times because because I mean like Dak he wasn't that type of quarterback but he's developed more into that type of quarterback where he can drop back yeah but 
who says you have to play by the rules set in front of you? Well, well we kind of all say that. But uh, when it comes to rules of how you're supposed to play quarterback, the whole league has shifted already uh, towards a mobile slash throwing quarterback. So why not actually form your team towards how a player actually is for your yeah. success? Yeah, that's true. But what I'm saying is, like, let's say if he gets down, you're, you're not going to be running the ball all the time. So I'm not sure if he's gotten back to that point where he's uh, throw the ball 40 times a game type of quarterback. That's what I'm trying to say. No, I I agree. I definitely don't. I, I honestly, I, I'm not going to say he's never going to throw 40 times in a game. But no, he will. I, he will. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to say that. But it is not going to be common in any way at all. Like 25 is a lot for for throwing for with Lamar Jackson. But the thing about it is, you still have to play the run even when you're passing, and that's the most dangerous part about his ability. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, he he's very elusive, and if he has like six seven yards to get on third down, and you don't watch out for his run. Then he's, he's gonna, gonna, be gonna kill you. Oh, forty. <laughs> well, I guess if you're not, if you're literally not looking at him, yeah, he might get forty. I, I but, swear um, they, he's gonna come back. I swear the whole team will be looking directly at him, really right beside him, and he makes them look look stupid weekly uh, per uh, possession. But I'm gonna move to the next question, which I, I'm. I'm pretty sure this is going to be one of the most interesting questions about uh, Lamar Jackson. It's been a large debate on the back burner. Um, is it clear that Lamar Jackson is better than Michael Vick? That, that's hard to say because of the way the game is being played. Uh, well, a, a lot of the league is catering to the offense where they would put up bigger numbers and there's more defensive penalties where the players can't hit the players in certain areas and all that stuff. So it's hard to say. I, I think Michael Vick would have done probably just as well in this role that Lamar Jackson is playing in because he's very shifty. But I would say that Lamar Jackson is even more elusive than Michael Vick. So I'm going to say, yeah, he he's slightly better than Michael Vick was at this point. Um, it looks like he's a little bit of a better passer. He's definitely more elusive, and he's just as fast as Michael Vick was. I I agree, but I I'm a, I think it's a little bit more overwhelming, and I know it's I feel like it's very early for saying this. I know we're caught up in the moment, just like we were caught in the moment with Patrick Mahomes last year. When it's not a caught up in the moment, he's still uh, proving himself. It's just not falling his way this year when it comes to uh, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, but. Yes, Lamar Jackson is better than Michael Vick. Michael Vick was never as good a, a passing quarterback as um, Lamar Jackson. I'm I'm sorry, but he just he hasn't and never was uh, as good as even Lamar Jackson is as a passer right now. Like Vick, I I want to look back because I I should have looked this up, but I've I don't think I could find a five passing game five uh, passing touchdown game for Michael Vick and wins, losses in his whole career. I don't think there is any there. It may be one or two, but I really don't think there's any there. And he's faster. It's, it's very unreal, but 
Lamar Jackson is faster than, than Mark, Michael Vick. He takes better, take care of the ball better than Michael Vick. Michael Vick, you would th- run with the ball out from his body. Lamar knows how to run that ball. As Michael Vick does too, he has elusiveness. He was fast, and he would run past people. He was amazing. He was a great freak show of a uh, of an amazing running quarterback. But Lamar Jackson has pure skill behind it and planning. Yeah, I would say Lamar Jackson, his decision-making is probably a little bit better, but I'm not going to say just because Michael Vick didn't have a five-passing touchdown game that he was just like so much of a better throw of the ball. Michael Vick, he, he was an accurate quarterback. He's, he's, whenever you say that he's way better as a passer, it's like you're putting him on that Tim Tebow level, except as a, a different type of runner. He's not that much of a better passer than Michael Vick. Michael Vick was a pretty good passer. He's he's not terrible. I think we're both of us, or actually I, I'm thinking the right way, but you're underrating not, Michael Vick. No, no, I think we're you're overrating Tim Tebow. <laughs> uh, like no, I, Michael no, Vick, no, I'm saying Tim Tebow's oh, like on the oh, lowest level. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because Michael Vick was two times a better uh, thrower than uh, Zan. Uh, your boy Tim Tebow. And, uh, Two and times. Saying, I mean, he's like yeah, three times, times better. Yeah, yeah. I want to say, I, I, I want to give it real numbers. I want to give it real numbers, but in real life, I think at minimum, Vic was a two times better thrower than Tim Tebow. So I'm oh, not putting him in the box. No, no, I'm not two times. Him. You know how I, bad Tim Tebow was. But Tim Tebow won a playoff game. Tebow, he he got the ball there. He I, but barely. He, he was he was serviceable and <laughs> and Vic is. Two times more, more than serviceable. I, I, <laughs> Come on now, stop it. You no, know, when it comes stop to a passer, I say he's he's of course he's a lot better than Tim Tebow. I'm not debating that at all, and I'm not putting him on Tim Tebow's level. I'm just saying Lamar Jackson right now is already better than Vic's best passing year. I think he's. Um... Very good, Lamar Jackson. He's he's a very good uh, passer of the ball. He, he's definitely gotten better. But I wouldn't say that he's so much better than Michael Vick as a passer, that he's just on another level. I, I would say they're, they're pretty similar in their passing. Um, I, but Lamar Jackson is just a little bit better at this point in his career. Eh, eh, tomato, tomato. I, 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 trust me, trust me. I don't want to sell out uh, Michael Vick as uh, a lesser, like running quarterback than anyone. But Lamar Jackson is really a standout player. Um, but to move along a little bit here, we're moving on to the Patriots, which are now ten and one, but seems to be every week in the press conferences they're just not happy with their performance. It's really on the offensive side. The defense is number one in the league and has, from what you would hear, has been dragging them across the finish line on each game, uh, making them 10-1. and one. With the ineptitude on the offensive side for the Patriots, the Patriots are now looking at possibly bringing back Antonio Brown. I'll make this, we're not going to dig too far into the Antonio Brown part of this, but do you think that the Patriots need a better receiving core to get to the Super Bowl this year? Um, actually, no, I, I don't think they need a better receiving core. I mean, they could definitely use it, 
but their defense has been playing very well, um, way better than I thought they would going into this season. Um, they look like in a in historic defense, but I mean they can be had at times, especially on big plays whenever they try to overplay stuff. But I think the offense they have suffered from a lot. Um, a lot of moving pieces. I mean, even just like last year, really. The only difference is the offensive line is not intact. Um, they don't have much of a running game. And there's been multiple receivers in and out of the lineup. So you can't get any type of continuity when it comes to your quarterback and wide receivers. Really, I think the two leading receivers on the team are Julian Edelman and probably James White, a, a running back. So it's <laughs> it's yeah. not really looking that good right now as far as the receiving core. Um, and then the offensive line doesn't allow the the right amount of time to pass the ball and just block on offense whenever they're trying to run the ball. Because people think that Sonny Michelle, he's dropped off. He's not seeing the holes right or whatever. But I, I think the offensive line plays a, a big part in that because there's been multiple injuries that have gone on on the offensive line and – People aren't respecting their receivers that much because they don't have a deep threat. Um, they do have a speedy receiver in Philip Dorsett, but he's in and out of the lineup. Didn't even play the last game. They got Mohamed Sanu. He didn't play the last game. Um, they just got back their uh, number one pick from this past draft, who was a wide receiver. He's just getting back on board, playing his first game, so... They've had a lot of moving parts on offense, but the one thing that stayed intact is the defense. But I think the defense can uh, play well enough to get them to the Super Bowl. Okay. I, I actually kind of agree. I just think they need one one more receiver. They don't need a full receiving core. It would have been great if Gronk wasn't announcing a party last week when he said he had an announcement for the league. Uh, yeah, because uh, just to kind of update you. Gronk said he had a giant announcement and uh, people paid attention all for him to say he had he was going to have a party in Miami. That, that's crazy. Uh, ESPN was covering that. Uh, but I, I think they at least needed him to try to sign back on even as a tight end. But they need one more. They need at least one receiver because Edelman is going to be shut down when it comes to the uh, to the playoffs. And. One day, the Patriots' defense is not going to be able to bail their offense out. It's just the day is coming where that's just not going to do when you score such little points. Um, but um, moving along, uh, we're still staying in the football uh, range and with the Patriots. Um, now, the Cowboys and the Patriots played each other, and the Patriots came out on top 13-9. to not a very high-scoring game at all. It was actually really tight and a messy game when it came to the, the rain and uh, pure elements uh, to that surrounded the game. But when it comes to the Cowboys, they are now 6-5, and five, where the Pats are now 10-1. Uh, and one. But do you still have uh, the Cowboys making the playoffs, even though their schedule gets harder, and the Eagles, uh, their division opponent, schedule gets easier? Actually, yes, I, I do have faith in the Cowboys because I have zero faith in the Eagles. That's the only reason why I feel like the Cowboys will win this division. Um, but they'll, they'll make it dramatic. Um, they'll make it until 
that last game where they have to get in and beat the Eagles for them to get in the playoffs. And they're only a few tweaks away from being a very good team because they, they are very talented. They have a defense with multiple stars on it and an offense with two really big stars, actually three, with the quarterback Dak, Ezekiel Elliott, and Amari Cooper. It wouldn't look that way from the last game because he got locked up, didn't have a single catch. But I think that this team is very talented. They just need to tweak the offense and defense in a way where they are maximized. Um, and that hype that they had at the beginning of the season will, will finally come through. But it seems like they're held back by their coach, um, their owner, and just poor decision-making. Like I said, I don't have any faith in the Eagles. Um, What's his name? Carson Wentz is playing like trash. He can barely throw the ball at this point. And they have multiple um, injuries on their team. I I mean, the, the Eagles, they'll probably win their division games, but I'm not so sure that they'll win against teams like, um, let me see what's on their schedule. Oh, they have an easy schedule. I'll tell you that. They have, <laughs> they have Miami on that schedule. They they may have Miami, but they, oh, they look at the better rest be careful. My, Miami, they'll they'll go out and beat them. Yeah, you're right, but just look at that schedule. I'll go ahead and I'll wait. <laughs> so it looks like, okay, they have Miami next, and then they have the Giants, Redskins, Cowboys, and then Giants again. So I, I say they lose two of those games. Two. two. They're going to lose to the Cowboys, and I'm going to go out on the limb, and they lose to the Dolphins. They'll wow. beat the rest of their division teams, but they're, they're going to lose to the Dolphins. Yeah, so I, I just – I think that is a I'm mess of a – I hear you. I, I definitely hear you because it's not like I have faith in the Eagles. I just don't have faith in either. Like, if neither one can make the playoffs, I would I would bet on that. But it's, the, it's just not the way the division is going to shake out. It's just going to be a horrible, horrible result to, like, record-wise when it comes to the end of this uh, this – this division. Now the Cowboys schedule gets a lot harder after this. And the Eagles, they have the Redskins who I, I guess they won this past Sunday, but I, I just don't see them. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't know because you can't have faith with eating one of these teams. Like if, if I could bet that they just all lost all of their games, even though they face each other, uh, shoot, they'll mess around and tie. They'll mess around and tie. Well, even if they lost all of their games, I mean, they they got to win the ones against each other. Well, one of them is going to come out on top. That would what? be so awful. Well, I, I actually want to see that because I, I, I'm disappointed by the uh, the whole league. Like, I would rather see them tie and then their records be exactly the same and the NFL just have to, hey, hey who's, who's going to the playoffs? Like, I would really rather that. Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I really would. Like, I really would rather them tie their game, and then it is just like, who's the who's the worst? Who's the best of the worst? And I, I want that dilemma. I really do want that dilemma when it comes to the NFL. But I think the head-to-head matchup where somebody did win earlier in the season was it the Cowboys won earlier in the season, or was it the uh, the Eagles? The Cowboys won. They they blew out the Eagles. Okay. I, once again, I still rather them tie and them say. Hey, even though y'all have the same record, 
even though y'all tied in this game, we have to give it to the Cowboys because neither one of, them, of those two teams deserve to make it to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably have teams that are outside of the playoffs with better records than whoever oh, comes out of is. that division. I know there will be. I know. Check out the other division. It, it will be. It definitely will be. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, to move into the next question about the Cowboys, because this is ongoing for about 10 years, this hot seat. So is this the last year for Jason Garrett, the head coach of the Cowboys, uh, no matter what the outcome of this season happens to be? No, no, I, I still don't think it's the last season for him. Um, don't, the only way it's the last season is if he does not make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, they make a little bit of noise and win one game or two, he's going to be back next year. The only way I see he, he doesn't make it is they don't make the playoffs and Jerry Jones, he fires him. But Jerry Jones, he really likes Jason Garrett. He wants to keep him around. He wants to control him. He has the perfect puppet to control his team. So I, I don't see that happening unless they don't make the playoffs. Well, that's a real possibility. You know, like I said, i rather them tie it all the way around and just uh, they get in by default. I, I do think this is the last season for Jason Garrett, and the only – the only outcome that will have him actually not being fired this year is making it to the Super Bowl. He don't have to win the Super Bowl, but he has to make it to the Super Bowl this year. And one reason is because of Jerry Jones. Just like you said, he likes him. That's the reason why he's kept the job this long. He really likes him as a person. He really likes him as a head coach, uh, like an example of the uh, head coach. He loves him as a puppet. Like he is his favorite puppet. And right now he has to let go of that. He got to cut the strings. He has to cut the strings. And he's seeing the light this year. He every uh, post game interview with this GM, which he shouldn't even be doing a post game interview. Um, he's disappointed. He says, "I'm putting all the pieces around you. I, I've I've done all the things I needed to do." And since he's short on life expectancy, not to say he's going to die anytime soon, but he's not a young buck. I think he's going to make a change so that he can see a Super Bowl in his lifetime again. But who's going to fill that position? What coach out there is there to fill that position, to take on that spotlight of the Dallas Cowboy head coach and be I, under Jerry Jones? I think he's going to have to go a different road. Like he, he can't go with somebody he can control. Like he can partially control. Of course, he's going to interview him and he's going to, Hey, Jerry Jones is Jerry Jones, so I, I'm not going to ignore that he isn't who he is, um, that he does not want a puppet. But I also think he really, 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 really wants the Super Bowl, and he's finally listening to the media about how many times they're going to give Jason Garrett a chance. Like, are you really going to go another season with this guy? Um, so I I think they were looking at uh, college um, coaches, the one for – um, dang it. Uh, Jalen Hurts went to this team. Oh, for Oklahoma? Oklahoma, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so they're looking at him. That That's honestly his front runner. Like, it's always, it's under uh, chatter, under, under uh, ground chatter about that. 
they're looking at him. And if they can persuade him to leave Oklahoma and come to the Cowboys, I think he'll fire him. And I think he's going to fire him no matter what because the media is going to force it. Well, I I only say that if they don't make the playoffs. Um, but if the Cowboys get in the playoffs, make some noise, um, the the right noise. So if keep they keep around. So if they go eight and eight and make it to the playoffs and lose in the first game of the playoffs, he keeps his job. Yeah, that that's enough for Jerry Jones to that is keep hard. him around. <laughs> I mean, but look what's happened over the past however long he's been the head coach. That's my same uh, argument. We're 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 spending out the same argument, but on a different size. Yeah, that's why he kept it. him around for so long. But he's had better seasons. Yeah, he's had a whole lot better seasons and gone nowhere. So at this point, I really do think Jerry Jones is going to listen to the outside people. He's been ignoring them for so long. But if you watch his press conference interviews, like he really wants the to smudge the media's face and, hey, I was right. I stuck with my guy. I was supposed to, like, this is what I, you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stick by your guy. But he's, each interview, he's getting a whole lot less confident about his own decision. Yeah, that's because he sees them losing games and not playing up to their potential. But I see the Cowboys running the table, get, making it in the playoffs, and mm. making some noise. Running the table? Wow, that's really confident. But uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, running the table. I mean that's that's what Aaron Rodgers said and they they ran the table, they made the playoffs. So, so I, you're saying I see the same that, for the Cowboys. So you're saying that they're gonna win the last five games of this season? Like all five. Yeah, they they can definitely win the last five games of their season. Yeah, we all know they can, but are they? <laughs> are they? I say yes. They have to beat the Bills. The Bears, Rams, Eagles, and Redskins. So, yeah, I, I say they run the table and make the playoffs. I mean, I could okay. be wrong very fast, but we'll see. Okay. And, and just kind of rephrase, though, I mean, go back to when you were saying uh, uh, Jerry Jones is seeing them uh, losing games. I actually think he's seeing his money go out of his pocket. He, played, he paid uh, Zeke and he paid all these players to be there. And he's just losing money and not getting the wins. He's he's been parted ways with caring about money, but that's not even working anymore for him. Well, I don't think winning games really really mattered to his his pocket. His pocket has always been fat with money. Oh yeah, I mean they, they've I, been they've had losing seasons, so I, I don't think that really contributes. I think he's well. But, I think it's because he's a businessman. He does not li- uh, like seeing his investments not produce the success he wants. And that 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 core base of not getting the profit off of what he spent his money on, uh, whether he doesn't care about the money or not, I think that bothers him. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely bothers you whenever you don't see your product being the best result. Even um, if you don't care about the money. And he definitely cares about the money. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just not a good look. Yeah. So, uh, but moving to the other ten and one team, the Forty ers uh, with their domination of the Packers, thirty-seven to eight on Sunday, is it time to say the Forty ers are the best team in the NFL? 
Well, I, I think we have to wait one week just to see because they go and play the Ravens. So I I think this is a little bit premature. I, I don't think the 49ers are the best team. They definitely do have the parts of the best team with one of the top-ranked defenses and one of the best offenses, um, which I, I think their quarterback is the weakest link when it comes to the offense, really the team in general. But – they have a very good head coach that is superb as an offensive coordinator and just designing offensive plays. Um, but we'll, we'll see that next week. We'll, we'll see that put to the test next week whenever they play the Ravens. Okay. I do think it's premature, and I also think it's incorrect. Uh, like you said, yes, they're about to play the Ravens, and the confidence is very high on the Ravens. It's a whole lot more confident than anybody's been at any point for the 49ers in the past five years. Uh, even with them being 10 and one, people are just not going to have that type of confidence attached to the 49ers. And I think even without them about the, uh, playing the Ravens next week, you can't count them as the best team. Um, I wouldn't say the Seahawks are the best team, but they got beat by the Seahawks out of their own division. So, that disqualifies you in a way when you've already lost to the the closest opponent to you in your own division. Well, I, I think the the 49ers are a better talented team than the Seahawks. They just got them on that day. Um, they have the better quarterback and more experienced head coach. Um, so I, I think that played a part into the Seahawks beating the 49ers. But as a team, I think the 49ers have a better team. Because you, you just see all the first-round talent they, that they have on the defense and the offensive mind of their head coach, how he's able to design plays and get his players in the right place. Um, and like I said, the weakest link is the quarterback. If you put any pressure on him, he's going to give the ball to you. Yeah, so we're, we're both agreed. It's premature, and we really don't see them as the best team. It's a, at least three other teams I, could, I would really debate to be uh, the top team in the, in the league. Um, but moving towards the uh, – unless you wanted to comment. Well, I wanted to say that they're definitely something to reckon with. Like, don't, don't sleep on them because they will destroy Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. They have the perfect underdog, underdog story because no matter how many – Games they win, nobody has confidence that they'll actually follow through. Follow through as in make it to the Super Bowl. Like it's like nobody's really gonna take them fully seriously until they're actually in the Super Bowl. And I don't even think they're they, depending on the opponent that's there. They might not even have the confidence then. Well, I, I think they do have the potential to make it to the Super Bowl. It's it's only if they play at home. If that defense can lead them, because I, yeah. I think that will be the thing that gets them to the Super Bowl. True, yeah, but that's potential. Like confidence and potential sometimes is a little—they're uh, not really the same sometimes. So, like, I have confidence that the Ravens are going to make it far if they keep playing the way they play. I'm not confident that the way the 49ers play will get them to the Super Bowl. And that's also just what are existing, what we know about them right now. Well, their, their style of play, no, they can definitely make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, Bowl. they can make it, they, but it, it's at least five other teams that can also make it. They they really feast on um, 
immobile quarterbacks when it comes to their defense. The only thing that they really struggle with is mobile quarterbacks, as you can see with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray already. And Lamar Jackson, will he will definitely make a big problem for them. So this yeah. will be their toughest game yet. Yeah, it's going to show the most about them. Uh, this upcoming game and if Lamar Jackson does to them any type of thing like he's done to these other teams we're going to easily count them out uh, when it comes to greatest or even the best in their own division um, but moving towards the, the Panthers who are now five and six for their record and has not had Cam Newton playing since week two uh, in the NFL uh, but Recently, some news has come out about the relationship between Cam Newton and the Panthers with the downslide of a, a three-game losing streak since they had a three-game winning streak with Kyle Allen. Uh, well, Cam Newton has broken his silence, saying, looking forward to countless more years in Charlotte. So with that statement, do you feel confident that the relationship between Cam Newton and the Panthers are mended. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I thought there was only just rumors going around that he could be traded. I never thought they should trade him because I didn't think Kyle Allen was a suitable replacement for him. Kyle Allen was just really maxing out on his very little potential. I mean, he's he's kind of good, but he's nowhere near Cam Newton. Cam Newton is going to take you over the top. He's very dynamic. He is, he's kind of like the LeBron James of the NFL as far as the way he looks. I mean, he, he's never been on that, you know, go to so many Super Bowls or whatever. But as far as just the size and look of Cam Newton, he is that LeBron James type. Um, and he will take your team over the top. And Kyle Allen, he's just not that. If Cam Newton, the MVP type level Cam Newton, or just last year Cam Newton, had played during this whole season, the Panthers, I would say they would probably have eight or nine wins right now. They they would be in a lot better place because they have Christian McCaffrey playing at an MVP level. And then you add that on with a healthy Cam Newton and a defense that makes plays for you, they would be considered as one of the better teams in the league right now. Okay. Yeah, I can agree. Um, I think the relationship is mended, uh, but I'm going to let you know how this conversation probably went. It went a little something like this. The Panthers came to Cam Newton and said, uh, see what happened was I thought I, I, I thought I had a new girlfriend, but she don't know how to cook. Uh, can I, can I get a, can I get a meal? Can I get a meal? Can I, can I get you back? Uh, that's the way it went with Cam Newton and the Panthers. Panthers, they really want Cam Newton back. And they, they kind of ostracized him uh, this year. They, they, they didn't silence any rumors. They didn't come out there full saying, hey, when he's back, he's the starter. They put him on season-ending season IR, which I don't think he's still hurt. He sat out for more than way more than half the season. So I think it's mended because there's mutual interest across both sides. But I also think the Panthers don't have a lot of leverage right now. So that's one reason why it got mended. 
Yeah, they have zero leverage. Uh, they saw Kyle Allen out there making plays and winning games. Um, but they saw the true him when it came to the better teams. And I, I never thought they should have got rid of Cam. Um, this was really the break year for Cam because he needed to heal from all the injuries and multiple hits that he's taken over his career. And I think this is a good thing for him. Um, he's going to come back next year and perform at the best level that he's ever had. I I completely agree. It's kind of like how LeBron did not go to the playoffs last year. It He's on a revenge tour, and I would love to see a, a Cam Newton revenge tour. Um, but uh, move on to the other question about the Panthers. Which factor do you think would be more beneficial to the Panthers? Uh, trading of Cam Newton? Adding on better offensive receivers or firing Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Panthers? I think that you fire Ron Rivera. I think that's the best possibility because I think they do have pretty good receivers. They're, they're not bad receivers. They they have pretty good receivers that can go out in space and make plays. And they also have Christian McCaffrey, but I don't expect Christian McCaffrey to perform at this level next year after just having so many touches this year. Um, that takes a lot out of him, just performing at that level and taking so many hits. Um, and I think it's just time for Ron Rivera to go. There's been too many times where the team has just folded under him. And I, I think he probably hasn't held Cam Newton to the highest level as he should be at times because Whenever Cam Newton loses, I mean, he doesn't want to talk talk to anybody. He doesn't want to, you know, give anybody that attention. He puts a towel over his head and all that stuff. It's just a bad look. And I feel like there should be another coach that comes in and demands that of Cam Newton to bring the best out of Cam Newton. I think they just need a new spark, but I, I definitely agree. I, I do think it's Ron Rivera. I think that's the best move for them because they definitely cannot be uh, can't trade out Cam Newton. It, it's pretty clear at this point. They got the, the testing time, and it, it just it's just not what's best for them. Uh, the best move is firing Ron Rivera because a change must happen. They need a new spark. They need a new voice. They need somebody who changes the the culture of the Panthers. Hopefully there's someone who can really spark a fire within Cam Newton. I hope he even has his own spark uh, since people are acting as though he's lost it or that he's just never going to be as great as he was his MVP year. I love a great revenge tour. Uh, And now we're going on to the last subject before the questions, and we'll meet you next uh, Wednesday. This does air on Thursday. Catch you on your off time and while you're on Thanksgiving, catch uh, some good sports talk. But um, and we'll catch you next Wednesday when the episode comes out. But our last subject before we go to our trivia question, three of those is the Thursday, uh, Thursday Thanksgiving games, which is an annual thing. Uh, The matchups for this year are the Bears versus Lions, the Bills versus Cowboys and the Saints versus Falcons. So which one is the best primetime game out of these three? And what outcome are you really expecting? When it comes to the best primetime game, this isn't because of history. I say it's 
the Cowboys and the Bills because that's the only one that really has playoff implications. Um, nobody really cares about the Lions and the Bears. Both teams are not making the playoffs. And with the Saints and the Falcons, the Falcons are absolute garbage, even though they did beat the Saints not that long ago. And the Saints, they are looking to go towards the Super Bowl. And I feel like they'll come back and win that game. Um, but the Bills and the Cowboys will be a very dramatic game because it's the Cowboys and they'll make it interesting. Um, but I say the Cowboys go out and win that game. Um, I'm not really going to give a score, but uh, the Cowboys make it very dramatic. Um, and they will definitely give us a show for primetime. Okay. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. The best primetime game is going to be the Bills versus Cowboys. But like you said, it's not due to history. I think it's due to people wanting to see whether the Cowboys are going to win or whether they're going to lose. Because the ceiling is going to fall in if they lose to the Bills. And it's very likely they lose to the Bills. The Bills have had an impressive season. They, 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 I think they've only lost one game. I have to check, but I know they have not lost more than three. Uh, they, they, so, they lost three games. Oh, so right at three. Okay, okay. Uh, so, but that's still an impressive season uh, because out of eleven games, you're at eight and three. That's impressive compared to all these other records out here. Uh, it's not many other teams that have a better record than that, especially when you're in the division with the Patriots. And nobody expected anyone in that division other than the Patriots to have a great year. Um, so, yeah, I, I say it's because I want to see, you want to see, your grandma want to see whether the pay, uh, the Cowboys are going to lose. That's that's what I want to see. Now, the other games may sh- shake out to be actual better games, like matchups and people going back and forth. But like you said, there there's not playoff implications on these games. Bears and Lions aren't making the playoffs. Falcons are horrible. And the Saints, even if they lost to the Falcons again, it really won't matter. Yeah. Um and you said that the Bills have been very impressive. They've been impressive with their defense, but I, I wouldn't say that their offense is that great. And they've really feasted on their schedule. Now, just I'm going to go down the list of who they've played and won against. So they played the Jets. They beat them. They played the Giants. They beat them. They played the Bengals. They played the Patriots. Lost that one. They beat the Titans. They beat the Dolphins. They lost to the Eagles. They beat the Redskins, lost to the Browns, and they just beat the Dolphins again, and then they just beat the Bills. I mean, the Broncos. So, so they really haven't played losing? anybody. Who are their three losses? So you said Patriots, Patriots, uh, Eagles, and Browns. Uh, I really don't their, see it. their schedule is awful. I would say their schedule beat. is was made cater made for them. Uh, like so, yeah, I agree. The the schedule in general, like fully, is weak. Like they they have a weak schedule, but they can only play who's on their schedule. So I I also have to give them a break on that. Uh, so yeah, it's not like I'm on any type of Bills bandwagon at all. Not even a little bit. I don't think they make it far in the playoffs, and and I'm pretty sure they're in a wild card spot right now, uh, taking up some spots for other teams who wish they could be in that spot. Um, so yeah, just to kind of go back over what you were saying about the bills, they, they've been impressive for our standards for them this year. 
record-wise, but they're not impressive as looking at them and wanting to really see a game with them in it. No, not at all. Um, their games aren't really that interesting. Um, but this game will be interesting because they're playing the Cowboys. Yeah, completely agree. And it's the mid uh, midday game. It's not the early game. It's not the late game. It's the midday game, which everybody will be tuned into. Uh, but this has been So You Think You Know Sports. We're going to bring you the best updates on sports per week. Now we move into the trivia part, which is three questions, all multiple choice. Muhammad comes up with the questions. I try to answer and give you a little bit of commentary of what I do know about it without giving out the answer too early. Uh, but we're going to go with the first question. What's the, go ahead with the first question there, sir. In what city were the Los Angeles Lakers initially based? A, Minneapolis, Minnesota, B, Detroit, Michigan, or C, Rochester, New York? I like that. I like it. You, you didn't, uh, the Northeast right there. And I actually do know this answer. Like, that is a hard one, but I do actually do know it. I'm, I'm, I'm very sure, and I'm going to explain why I know the answer also. Uh, but go ahead and repeat it one more time with the question and answer, and I'm going to answer this one out kind of quickly. In what city were the Los Angeles Lakers initially based? A, Minneapolis, Minnesota, B, Detroit, Michigan, or C, Rochester, New York? Uh, I'm going to make this quite easy because the answer is actually in the name. Has anyone ever noticed why the Lakers are named the Lakers when there's no lakes in Los Angeles? It's because they were based in Michigan, the Great Lakes. And I'll go ahead and, yeah, go ahead and tell me that I'm right. That's actually wrong. What? <laughs> what is it, Minneapolis? Yeah, Minneapolis. Ah, I knew it was in that area. Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew it was because of the Great Lakes, though. It's because of the Great Lakes. I just I knew they were all in the Mideast, which kind of threw me off. I knew it wasn't New York. Yeah, you played yourself. I did, I did. You're right. I completely played myself. But I do know the reason and why they're named the Lakers. It was just hard about exactly uh, which one, uh, like, because they're both, both touching the Great Lakes. But that's the reason why they're named the Lakers is because they're based out of that area. So I did get that one wrong, though. You paid yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Who was the youngest player to score 10,000 points in the NBA? A, LeBron James, B, Michael Jordan, or C, Kobe Bryant? Oh, that is hard. That is a hard, hard question. Uh, yeah, go ahead and – it really doesn't need to be explained on who these players are, Michael Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron. Uh, I got a discussion earlier. Uh, their debate – well, they're – Widely known as the greatest of the different eras, the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s. But uh, I'm not quite sure on this one. I'm going to be taking a guess. So go ahead and repeat the question and answer again for them. Who was the youngest player to score 10,000 points in the NBA? A, LeBron James, B, Michael Jordan, or C, Kobe Bryant? Um, I'm not going to delay this. I think it's Kobe because he's a big scorer, and I don't think it was Jordan. Jordan uh, went to 
college, which would uh, like make it longer uh, a possibility that he didn't get the 10,000 at a younger age. LeBron also went straight to the league, but I just see Kobe as the scorer. So I'm going to go with C, Kobe. That is wrong. It's Ooh. actually LeBron James. Wow. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that. I really did not know that. I, I'm glad to know that, but I really didn't think that was him. <laughs> yeah, putting up that 27 every year. I mean, that's that's what it gets you. Wow. I, I just I always see Kobe as the scorer. Uh, but, hey, that's great to know. Uh, go ahead with the last question. Maybe I'll get it right. <laughs> <laughs> what NBA player has won the most league MVPs A Michael Jordan B LeBron James or C Kareem Abdul Jabbar out of those three players hmm, I think I know because I already know I, I'll go ahead and give most people a 50 50 and I'm not you can be confident on this one it's not LeBron because LeBron has one less than Jordan so it's going to be between Oscar Robinson and Jordan. I just don't know how many Oscar Robinson has. You mean Kareem? So why did I say Oscar Robinson? Isn't well way off? Uh, yeah, Kareem. I don't. I just don't know how many Kareem has. Uh, so just repeat the question and answers again for them, please. What NBA player has won the most league MVPs? A. Michael Jordan. B. LeBron James or C Kareem Abdul Jabbar? Oh, man, I really don't want to go 0 for 3 on this. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, gosh. I'm going to jump out on the limb and say it's Kareem. That is correct, actually. Wow. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. You didn't lose <laughs> at all. <laughs> you didn't go but, 0 for. Yeah, I, dang, I, I knew the reasons why on the first question, just didn't get the right city. Uh, so, yeah, no consolation prizes. You played yourself. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. You played yourself. <laughs> so uh, we're, yeah, we're wrapping it up on this one, and we'll catch you next week on Wednesday. This one does air on Thursday because people will be off there, maybe a little bit more open to tuning in here. But uh, this has been So You Think You Know Sports. See you next week.